0: Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast.
1: Diving mean, stop, singer toss on off the first in time to get seven three-run
2: homer. Robinson canoe off the lefty specialist Fernando Abad,
1: and the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Field, can Owen Cruz go back
2: to back. And the King, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven, a innings.
0: Now,
3: here's your host, Gary Hill.
0: Welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Great to have you back once again. And what is another series win for the Mariners? As it was a wild one last night, we could spend uh, we could spend two hours going over. Everything that happened in the ball game, we won't take two hours to do it, but we will dive into the ball game yesterday as the Mariners get the win. They take the series, and now House Money today getting a little greedy, trying to go for the sweep of the Texas Rangers, which really sets up a massive four-game series over the weekend against the Kansas City Royals. So we'll get to all that. Plenty of reaction coming your way as well. Also, a great interview from Kyle Lewis. Keaton Galogali had a chance to sit down with Kyle Lewis. He's the play-by-play man for Modesto. Kyle Lewis back, performing at a very high level so far with Modesto. So we get to hear about him. Great interview. You'll enjoy it. Also, it was Hall of Fame weekend over the weekend, and I was thinking about the Hall of Fame in context of the Mariners, past and future, so, a little bit uh, of that as well as we think about, we ponder who else could be in the Hall of Fame. It's just a year ago we celebrated Ken Griffey Jr. going into the Hall of Fame. So, another big podcast coming your way. Let's get to the ball game, though. Last night, Mariners taking on the Rangers looking for the series. What turned out to be a very interesting ball game instead of Darvish, it was Martinez. Erasmo Ramirez making his first start in a long time for the Mariners. He knew he'd be on a pitch count. He has hadn't started a game in a long time, hadn't thrown a lot of pitches or a lot of pitches one outing in a long time. So you knew it was going to be heavy bullpen action in this ball game. But the Mariners jump out ahead early. They score a couple of runs in the second inning. It was Martin again coming up big.
1: And the 3-2 pitch. Martinez swing and a line drive into right center field. That's in there for a base hit. Here comes Valencian to score. And the Mariners have a 2-0 lead here in the top of inning number two. Leonis Martin with his fourth RBI of the year. And he's on at first base and still only one out for the Mariners here in the second. Martin coming through in a clutch.
0: Martin came up big in this ball game. A couple of hits, a couple of ribbies. He has made a big impact since arriving from Tacoma, replacing Hanegar, who went on the DL. So a couple of RBIs in this one. Nelson Cruz launched another blast. The
1: wind-up and the 1-0 to Cruz. Swung on line drive, deep left field, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. A laser above the out-of-town scoreboard, hit straight to left field. That ball got out very quickly for Nelson Cruz, his 22nd home run of the season. Line shot straight away left, and the Mariners have a 1-0 lead in this game. Nelson Cruz, RBI number 80, and that leads the league. Man, that ball got out quickly.
0: So they scored a couple runs in the second. A three spot in the third featuring Robinson Cano.
2: The payoff pitch to Cano. He swings and laces this down into right field. It one hops now rolls to the base of the wall. Dyson could have scored from second. He crosses home. Robinson Cano gallops into second base, his 498th career double. That ties him for 64th all-time now. He has made it 3 nothing Mariners.
0: Only took him a couple innings to get to 499.
2: The 1-0. Swinging a shot towards left center field, trying to get down between Gallo and Gomez, and it does. It's off the base of the track and up against the wall. Espinosa is in. Dyson comes cruising home all the way from first. Two runs are in, thanks to the second double tonight for Robinson Cano. Career double number 499 has made it, 8-3 to three Mariners.
0: It's amazing when you think about where he is at on the all-time list already. 499. He passes Al Kalin on the career list. One more to 500, the magical mark. That will tie him with John Olerood. And this is who he has in his sights now. This is just a sampling of who he has in his sights. He's four doubles away from Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer. Five away from Roberto Alomar, Hall of Famer. Seven away from Babe Ruth, obviously, Hall of Famer. 11 away from Ricky Henderson, and 15 away from his hitting coach, Edgar Martinez. That is where he is is in terms of doubles. It is just incredible, and he is marching his way to the Hall of Fame. So Robinson Cano comes up huge, had two doubles in this one, drove in three, also drew a walk as well, living on base. Great day for Robbie. So the Mariners, two in the uh, second, three in the third. Three in the sixth, but Erasmo Ramirez runs out of gas in the fourth inning, ends up going three and a third, gives up three runs, just two earned. Lawrence out of the bullpen, two and a third, three earned. So this ends up being a tight ball game as Texas a three spot in the fourth, three in the sixth, one in the seventh. It's a one-run ball game getting late. Some huge situations, and the bullpen again managing to slam the door. Vincent, an inning and a third, no runs, was the key, but he got some help defensively. And what is probably the play of the game in the eighth inning in a one-run game, Dyson threw an absolute perfection of a strike to third base. To get to Shields
1: and the 0-1 pitch, the Bizarre swing and a line drive into center field. Dyson coming up can't get to it. He has to play it on a hop. Running second to Shields, heading for third. The throw to Seager and out at third base is the Shields. Holy smoke! What a throw by Gerard Dyson, right on the money to Kyle Seager, right on the bag, down with the tag, and DeShields Shields is out at third, and that will retire the side. Holy smokes, what a play, what a throw by Dyson.
0: Seriously, you couldn't have put it in a better spot had you walked up to third base and handed it to Kyle Seager in his glove. It was perfect, right on the money to just get him a great throw by Dyson. And that is something that we have seen all year long. We've talked about the way he can go get the baseball. Obviously, he can get everything. He tracks everything down. Great first step, just gliding to the baseball. It's perfection to watch, but also tied with the leaders in baseball and outfield assists. He does it with the arm as well and could not have come up at a bigger moment to throw to Shields out of third base. So that was huge. That would have been Beltre at the plate runners aboard a one-run game not a situation you want to be in also Dyson stole his 24th bag of the season two hits scored a couple of runs picked up a ribby just a big day all the way around for the Mariners center fielder and that set things up for Edwin Diaz who was lights out
1: the three two on the way swing and a miss strike three with a slider and the ball game is over the Mariners hang on to the winner tonight 8-7 8-7 to seven over the Rangers, and they take the opening two games of this road trip. Holy smokes, Edwin Diaz, how sweet it is.
0: Mariners take the win, and they are crawling closer to the Kansas City Royals, who lost again last night. They've lost two in a row. Mariners have won four in a row. Tampa won last night as well. Yankees lost. So here's how things look. Yankees have the first wild card by two games now on the Royals. Royals 55-50. and 50. Mariners 55-53, and 53, a game and a half back at Kansas City. And remember, after tomorrow, Mariners have KC for four starting Thursday in Kansas City. Tampa Bay 55-53 and 53, tied with the Mariners. And Tampa actually beat the Astros yesterday. They'll have Houston one more tonight. And Kansas City will have Baltimore again. So, who knows? If the Mariners win and Kansas City loses, Mariners a, could be a half game back heading into KC, which would pretty sweet. As the Yams will look for the sweep and look for their fifth win in a row, playing some great baseball. Here's what Scott Service said after the game. Uh, never easy in this
4: ballpark. Um, you know, obviously, offensively, got off to a really good start tonight. Uh, you know, and knew you know with the Rasmus hadn't made a start in a long time. It was going to be kind of um, interesting, I guess, on how long we were going to stay with him. I thought he threw the ball really well early in the game. Uh, I thought his stuff was very sharp and then uh, kind of hit the wall. Uh, I think we saw it. The ball started to get up and it just wasn't, uh, as Chris, you know, the outdoor home run and then the, uh, you know the Gallo home run that he just got pretty good, I guess, is one way to put it. But, uh, uh, you know, and you know, Casey Lawrence said okay. And, you know, obviously, uh, Joe Gale had a big night tonight. He can do that. You know, he's got big power. But uh, our offense kept, you know, uh, hanging in there. We needed to add on. We did. Uh, I thought, you know, we used a, a bunch of different guys in the bullpen tonight to, just to get through the ball game. And, uh, you know, we got some big outs. Obviously, Zebchinski uh, was really big again tonight. Uh, Nick Vincent has done it all year fours. But play the game is probably the dice and throw uh, at third base. Uh, you know, soft liner. He came up, made a great throw. And, and the, the tag, the pick and tag that Seeger threw on uh, to Shields was awesome. You know, that's tough to do. And uh, so, you know, big point in the game. you got to make a big play uh, to help our pitching once in a while, and we did tonight. So um, good ball game, nice win, not an easy one. Uh, I think we knew coming into the game tonight we're going to have to, you know, kind of piece it together uh, with the pitching, and we had just enough.
2: Draw, and Gerard's arm, I mean, he's not the strongest arm out the but accurate.
4: Very accurate. He gets rid of it very quickly. Um, it's got more arm strength than you think. I mean, uh, but the accuracy is what it's about. That's how you throw people out. And um, you know, he's done it a number of times for us this year. Obviously, gets the ball very quickly, uh, so that helps as well. But plenty of arm strength, and you know, very accurate. Uh, huge, huge play in the game.
3: I think he has won now five out of six series coming kind of out of the break. Just kind of what you wanted to do from the
4: very beginning. It's been the goal, you know. I know coming out of the break, we focused on July, and we were not going to talk about August till we got there. We're there right now, so we can talk about it. Uh, I think the guys, like I said, they're they're embracing kind of the challenge and what's ahead of us. It's not going to be easy, you know, with all the road games, but uh, you know, it's it's drawing our club closer together. Uh, guys are spending more time together in the clubhouse, and that's a good thing. The Bach and Zick, did you? Yeah, it was, you know, similar to what they call on Claudio uh, last night. He just wasn't stopping. He was kind of rushing right through. He he, he did balk. Uh, I think the umpire preferred he not catch it at that point. <laughs> we could have been out of the inning there, but uh, you know, uh, you know, Napoli hung in there, got the base hit, the drive in a run and uh fortunately you know, we were able to get out of that inning
2: resumes
4: you just need to keep building him? We do, yeah, just keep building him up. I thought he, like I said, was very sharp early on, very good change-up uh, cutter. He elevated when he needed to. He just hasn't been built up. You saw it uh, you know, pretty quickly, and we knew that was probably going to happen. When it was going to go, it was going to go quick. And, you know, Mel was on it, and, and we talked through it. You know, we had Lawrence ready, and you know, we knew we were going to have to go that way tonight anyway.
3: Just to add that huge inning with Robbie getting the double, the, the three runs after you gotten five, I mean, some teams will just kind of take their foot off the gas, but you guys really kept pushing
4: that. We, we knew it. Our, our guys are, you know, Robbie started swinging the bat good again. You know, you can see his timings come around, and he's pulling the ball in the air, uh, which is a great thing, and, and driving the ball. So, um, you know, guys are not, they don't want to give away at bats. And uh, it sounds easier said than done. When you put five up early, you think you're in good shape. But, again, we've played enough ball games in this ballpark and know the kind of offense that they have that, uh, You can't let your guard down, and, you know, we stayed after it all night tonight.
0: Yeah, that's the key in that ballpark. You could just never have enough runs there. Eight to seven, Mariners win. Now two games above 500, 55 and 53. Now just three below 500 on the road. They've been playing some great baseball on the road. Great timing, too, because August is essentially on the road. (laughs) I mean, seemingly the whole month, but they're off on the right foot where they win day one of August, 8-7. to They beat the Texas Rangers. Martin, big ball game, we mentioned it. A couple of hits, a couple of RBIs. Here's what he said after the ball game.
5: The Texas Rangers are the type of team that you you never know what's going to happen until the 27th They never give up, and they got good hitting, and, you know, we got to keep scope runners, keep scope runners, and, and, you know, uh, they got great hitting, they can change the game so quick with homers, and but finally we get the, the the win.
2: And a couple more hits, RBI. So you feel good to be contributing here in
5: Yeah, sure, sure. It's amazing to be here and like doing my my little bit for like to get what we want. And you know, getting confident in the game, getting confident home plate, trusting myself, and go out there and have fun.
3: Played a lot of games in this park. You ever seen a ball hit up on that roof?
5: Like never, my, never in my life. I saw Josh Hamilton hit like bombs. Never hit the roof on top of the road. That's that's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> that was ridiculous. Joey Gallo hit one that uh, probably just landed. It was crushed over the batter's eye in center field. That was amazing. He hit a couple of them. Strikes out a ton, but when he connects. Man, they go a long ways. But the Mariners survive the home run barrage, and they get the win. Now, it's going to be interesting as we take a look at the matchup for tonight. Mariners looking for the sweep. Again, 505 1st pitch from Texas. And the Mariners are going to send Ariel Miranda to the mound here in Game 3. What's going to be interesting about this is Miranda, and we've talked about this often throughout the season, He has the highest fly ball rate in Major League Baseball, over 50%, 51.3%. He's the only one over 50. Marco Estrada is at 49%, just below. Straley, Bundy, Scherzer uh, next on the list. But Miranda at 51%, which has played pretty well at Safeco. Now, this is going to be a different animal in Texas against a team that swings for the fences on a pretty constant basis. Miranda has given up 24 long balls this season. That's tied for sixth most in the American League. So that is something to watch with the matchup tonight against the Texas Rangers. Keeping the ball in the yard, that is going to be key for Miranda. Last time out against the Mets, he ended up going six innings, five hits, three earned runs. He fanned 10 in the ball game but he gave up a couple of home runs. So he's given up two home runs in every start in the month of July, uh, except for one start against the New York Yankees. So ball in the yard. That is going to be the key for Ariel Miranda. On the other side of things, the Mariners will face Andrew Kashner. He's had a very interesting season. He's actually been pretty consistent for the Rangers. Got off to a strong start after uh, getting into the season late struggle in June. Opponents batted 3.40 against him for the month of June at a 6.14 ERA, but he's been sub 3 in every other month. In the first month in April at 2.93, at 2.92 in May, and in July he was excellent at 2.36 ERA and opponents only batted a buck 94 against him. So he's been on a pretty good roll. And what's been most interesting about Kashner is he's pitched his best at home in Texas. A two, three, zero ERA and seven starts in Texas, a 4, three, four ERA away from Texas. Although a couple of interesting notes about that. He's allowed seven long balls at home, just one away from, away from Texas. So kind of interesting. Only five doubles at home and 11 on the way uh, away. Some pretty interesting numbers. We'll see if the Mariners can get to Kashner though and try and sweep aside the Rangers in game three of this series. The Mariners have faced Kashner twice this season, once April 15th. That was a loss, three earned runs he allowed in five and a third innings, and also a loss for Kashner when the Mariners won the game four to three May 7th. He went six, pitched well, gave up one earned run, but the Mariners – Ended up winning both of his starts. We'll see if they can continue that trend and make it the third time the charm. 5 1st pitch, Mariners and Rangers. Ems looking for the sweep. Boy, if they can get that going into KC, that would be something. Really breathing down the necks of the Royals and then facing them in four games. All right, so that is in the books. Now let's, uh, let's hear from Kyle Lewis. Great conversation on the way. And we're with
6: Kyle Lewis, the 2016 first-round pick for the Seattle Mariners. And Kyle, unfortunately, one of the storylines
7: for you early has been the, the knee injury. Uh, can you describe the play you injured that knee on last year? Yeah, it was a, a base hit to right, and I was trying to score at home, going pretty hard, you know, trying to get in there. And the catcher was coming up the line to catch the throw, and we were going we were on a collision course for each other. So I tried to plant and go around him, and when I planted my foot, landed wrong, I guess, and I buckled my knee. Uh, what's the rehab process been like since surgery last year? Uh, really long, but, you know, I've been been learning about patients and trusting my process every day and having a good, you know, process every day. So for me, it's been a, a, bit, a good learning experience and, um, you know, just coming out every day, trying to be consistent in, in my mindset and what I'm, you know, trying to accomplish out of each day. So, you know, it's been long, but it's been worth it, I think. How's the knee feel today? Feels good. Feels good. Um... You know, just trying to get get consistent with it, you know, feeling good every day and um, understanding that, you no, know, it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, as long as it gets better every day, that's all I'm shooting for. For you as a player, uh, what do you think your biggest strength is? Biggest strength for me would be, um, you know, I think that honestly I, I can impact the game in a multitude of ways, which, you know, provides... You know, my value. I think that I hit the ball well for a good average and I'm able to hit it hard for power and as well as play good defense, you know, and, and provide moral support. So I think that, uh, you know, I think my biggest strength is being complete.
6: Uh, since you've been here, what have, uh, what are some of the things you've been working on with hitting coach Joe Thurston?
7: Uh, just working on getting my hands back early. I think that's the biggest thing when you don't play for a while. You know, a lot of guys end up being late. And, um, you know, I think that for me, just talking to him, about getting my hands back early and ready to go, so I can be in a good, consistent hitting position.
6: Now, correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong here, but uh, it seems as though you've got a real uh, quiet intensity to your game. Uh, how much do you love getting out
7: there and competing every day? Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I like to play, and if somebody else is playing against me, I like to beat them. So, you know, I don't really do a lot of like yelling and screaming and uh, jumping around, but you know, I I I, it, I take it to heart if somebody gets me, so you know, I make sure to try to get them next time.
6: Hey. Um, Why did you end up choosing baseball over basketball?
7: I just like the technical aspect of it. I think that it's a sport that suits me well. I think with the way that I think and, um, you know, try to calculate decisions and things like that. It's a sport that suits me well as far as, you know, having to hone your skills every day. I I always enjoy that, having to study up and learn new techniques, new mechanics and things like that. So I just enjoy it. I enjoy learning new things each and every day.
6: Uh, What are some of the recent things you've learned and and picked up now that you're back in game action?
7: Uh, Really just mindset at the plate as far as, you know, what pitches to swing at, when to swing at them, and, um, you know, what what they're going to try to do to you. I think those are some of the things that I've been able to pick up on being up here versus last year being in Everett. And, uh, you know, as you move up, you kind of get to learn new things based on, you know, more refined pitches and things like that talking with outfielder Kyle
6: Lewis and uh, Kyle once you got into college and you were able to just focus on baseball how did that age your development as a player
7: I think it was uh it was huge for me because you know up to that point it was it was a situation where you know I didn't know what position I was gonna play things like that and so once I was able to settle in and center field out there and just focus on that each and every day go out each and every day and just you know work 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 I think that was big for me and it basically you know, took my game exponentially to the next level and is still doing that to this day uh, when did it when did it become a, a reality that uh, being drafted in the first round was a legitimate outcome uh, when i was a sophomore when i was a sophomore i felt like after my freshman season i played summer ball had a good summer and then made it to cape cod league and um didn't do very well when i went up there but you know still felt like i had the ability to do well so when i was able to go back after my sophomore year, you know, that was when I really kind of, you know, started to realize where I stood as far as in the country.
6: What about in high school? I mean, how many looks were you getting as a draft prospect and as as a
7: recruit? I got a decent amount of looks as a draft prospect. Probably, you know, spoke with about you know ten teams coming out of high school. But, um, you know, as a college recruit, I might have had like you know four offers, three or four offers. But I think it was just due to the fact that I didn't really play. A lot of high-level travel ball until late in my in my process going into my senior year. And a lot of guys were already, you know, colleges were already past that stage, and they were looking for the next class. So I kind of got overlooked a little bit, but, um, you know, it all works out for the best.
6: Uh, would you go back and change that at all, or, or did you find a lot of value in being
7: able to play multiple sports uh, throughout the 12 months out of the year? No, I think I think there's a lot a lot more value in that being able to play both both sports, you know, do different movements and uh, really just train, you know, overall agility and things like that. When I play in the outfield, I can kind of feel, you know, some basketball drills in there that we were doing, you know, and so that kind of stuff I really am appreciative for. And I think that you know just being able to have your mind adapt to different situations that maybe baseball doesn't put you in, whereas basketball is more of a back and forth, you know, thing. Helps you to just kind of you know stay on your toes.
6: How good a basketball player were you?
7: I was pretty good. You know, I was a good shooter, really good shooter, and, um, and I could jump pretty good. So played good defense. I was a pretty good basketball player. I think um, I could have went to like small small Division One college to play basketball. So you know I was I was pretty good.
6: Uh, what have you taken from some of the mental skills coaches in the system and applied to your game?
7: Uh, really, t- just turning the page as far as when you get out. I think you know not dwelling on on getting out as much as being a fault of your own as it just is, you know, that's part of the game is you're gonna get out. Whereas before, you know, I would always kind of dwell on it and and try to figure out why did I get out this at bad when sometimes you just aren't perfect and you're gonna get out and so really just turning the page is one of the big things that I've learned from them and um being able to refocus on on what you're trying to accomplish the next time. Kyle really
6: appreciate the time and good luck out there. Alright, thank you. For Nuts outfielder Kyle Lewis, I'm Keaton Galogley.
0: Now let's think about the Hall of Fame. It was just a year ago Seattle Mariner fans celebrated the induction of Ken Griffey Jr. into the baseball Hall of Fame.
7: I learned that one team will treat you the best, and that's your first team. I'm damn proud to be a Seattle Mariner.
0: And looking into the future, Mariners fans may have even more to celebrate. This week, Graham Womack, who writes a Hall of Fame column for the Sporting News, expressed his thoughts on the chances of Felix Hernandez one day entering the Hall of Fame to join Ken Griffey Jr.
3: I think that Felix has extremely good chances of getting in. You know, in my article, I pegged it around 60 or 65%, and he's one of the best pitchers of his generation. The King
0: won Cy Young Award, two second-place finishes in the Cy Young Award, and already in the top 50 all-time in strikeouts, and still only 31 years of age.
3: It's funny, but uh, pitcher win totals are are still uh, a big determinant of if uh, if a starting pitcher gets in right or wrong. You know, right now, uh, at the time I'd done my article, uh, Felix uh, had 159 career wins. I think at a bare minimum, he needs 200 wins. Um, I see him likely winding up somewhere around 250, give or take. I would say, you know, Felix has a very good chance. I mean, aside from the wins, uh, he's on track probably to to top 80 war for his career, wins above replacement. Uh, He has about 60 right now, uh, which is a little below what you need for the Hall of Fame. But... You know, he's. uh, you you get to 80, and that that gets into pretty safe Hall of Fame territory.
0: Swing and a miss, and down he goes. Number 2,304, he passes Hall of Famer Juan Marshall on the all-time list, 49th by himself on the career strikeout list for Felix Hernandez. And, of course, that may not be it. Ichiro putting the finishing touches on a Hall of Fame career just this year. Book ended an incredible run at Safeco Field.
2: Swing and it's socked into right field. This sends Hanniger back. He's twisting. He's turning. He's looking up and Ichiro has gone deep for a home run.
0: Robinson Cano, one of the all-time greats in terms of production at second base, closing in on milestones for both home runs and doubles.
1: I think Robbie Cano is the best second baseman I've ever seen. And uh, there are a hundred reasons why. I'm so sorry to see him go. Not only is he an absolutely great hitter, can hit lefties or righties. Well, you know, you see him play all the time. And he's a great second baseman. He has the best arm I've ever seen on a second baseman. Turning the double play. He's a great hand. I'm a big uh, Robbie Cano fan.
0: That's longtime Yankees voice John Sterling.
1: The pitch to Cano. He swings and smacks
2: it out to center field. went racing back. He's out of the warning track. He's at the wall, and it's gone into the bushes. A three-run homer for Robinson Cano. He absolutely pummeled that
0: pitch. And, of course, there's Edgar. Womack offers no hesitation on whether Edgar should be in the Hall of Fame.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, he is – either he or David Ortiz is the best uh, DH in baseball history. Um, I I think Edgar is a Hall of Famer. I think he should be in already. It, it makes sense that it's taking a, you know a little bit of time for him to get in just because, you know, DH is a, a – Historically, I you know I think Paul Mollinger's in there. Thomas had some years that he DH'd. Uh, I absolutely think he belongs. I, and I I think there's a pretty good chance he'll get in with writers. And you know you need 75% of the vote to get in. And Edgar climbed all the way to 58.6%. Uh, percent the last, uh, the last go around. Uh, so he's got two more tries of eligibility with the writers. Uh, if if he doesn't get in through them, uh, he'll he'll be a committee. Uh, he'll be eligible with a committee uh, in a few more years. I think 2020 he'd be eligible with them. The ballot doesn't look particularly strong for the next two years, so I, I think there's a, a very good chance that you know he, he could be the next, uh, next guy that Mariners fans will be, will be celebrating going in.
0: And Mariners fans get to enjoy Hall of Famers of years gone by. There
1: are several bigger names who have preceded me in winning this award. There will be several bigger names after me to win this award, but no one will ever be more appreciative. Thank you very much.
0: And look forward to celebrations in the future. So
1: perhaps Edgar has passed our way for the last time. And listen. What a fantastic tribute to a fantastic man. See you later!